1: Well, tomorrow can be bigger. Yeah. Just grow, let the world overflow. Give yeah. a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than yourself.
2: It. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr. Greer.
1: Father, we thank you for your Word. God, I believe you gave this passage to me this morning because there's a peace for each person in this room. So Father, help each person in this room and watching by live stream. God, help them hear from heaven. Help them know exactly what you're saying to them through this message today. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to Genesis 15, Genesis 15 and chapter 1. Moses says by the Holy Spirit, after these things, about 10 years had passed since Abraham had left his home in Haran for the promised land, and by this time he had become a, a wealthy uh, merchant, well, wealth, wealthy, I guess you say, sheep herder, if you will, because he had uh, livestock, etc., cetera, uh, as well as a leader of a, a rising uh, clan he had just gone to battle for the first time and and he had won the victory he defeated the four kings uh, in the valley but uh you know the afterflow of victory was about to quickly come to an end and god spoke to him he said after these things the word of the lord came to abram in a vision saying do not be afraid what happened here is reality began to uh set in and abraham was uh, now, pondering the consequences of his, his actions. Have you ever in life, you know, done the, the right thing, but when the adrenaline wore off, you, you found yourself worried about the repercussions? This was the case with Abraham. Sometimes I'm like that every Monday after Sunday. I said, I really said that? What are they going to do to me after I said that? But God's got me. But God comforted Abram. He said, Do not be afraid. Abram had been brave, he had been bold, but again, he had to grapple with the fact that these four kings would very likely retaliate and You beat up the guy down the street, but he got an older brother, you hear what I'm saying, and, and the rest and and there were some consequences that that he was dealing with and and you know again in, in, the, in the the heat of the moment, you can do what you do, but you know when when, when it gets quiet and and the rest, and you begin to think through what your deed might have done to the rest of your life, it can begin to weigh heavily on you. So God knew this and is ministering actually himself to Abraham. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Now, God does not promise that when we do right, people will not fight against us. All he promises is that when they do, he will protect us. And, you know, uh, doing the right thing is, is sometimes quite, quite challenging, but no struggle, no progress. And, and sometimes this gospel grates on the nerves of people. Sometimes the message we share upsets folks, but we, we have to have our confidence in God, lovingly, of course, uh, leave him to, to work out the details, but protect us in the process. He said, I am your shield and your exceedingly great what? Reward. Anytime any of us stand up for God's righteous cause, because of his nature, he will reward us. God doesn't overlook the smallest and the slightest sacrifice that we make in his name or for him. But let's go a little bit deeper. We're going to go to Genesis 14 and 14 and look at the depth of Abraham's commitment here. Now, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, now Lot was his nephew, but ultimately we're all brothers here. He armed this 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. People sometimes wonder why I don't hire a lot of people outside of our congregation. I do on on occasion, but, but typically I don't because I'm guarding against a mercenary spirit. Because when conflict arises, people that are just there for the hire tend not to stay. If I can buy you in, somebody could probably buy you out. So when you understand that, you, you look at in the, the, the house of God, I recognize in the business world and, and the, the other realms, you handle it differently. But in the church, I'm not really looking for the mercenary. I'm looking for an individual that is a child of the house. Go to John chapter 10 and verse 11, because Jesus speaks to this issue himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. Now, this statement that Jesus is the good shepherd implies that there are some what? Bad shepherd. So what was Jesus saying? I'm not like the pastor you used to have before you came to me. That's what the master was saying. He said, the good shepherd lays down his what? Life for his sheep. If a person will not sacrifice for the cause, we have every right to question their commitment to the cause. So Jesus is speaking now to the types of leaders we should submit to and and listen to and and, and, uh, be responsive to in the body of Christ. Verse 12. Again, he who is a hired hand and not a what? shepherd. The King James Version calls them hirelings. Who does not own the what? Sheep. Jesus is cautioning his flock against fair weather leaders. These are people who have no real sense of Ownership in the house of God or with the flock of God, and they don't own the problem. They just sit there and point out the problem, and but, but they don't own it. They don't try to fix it. There's, again, no ownership. And one of the things I look for in people, particularly as they take on leadership responsibilities, is a sense of not criticism, but they own and they feel responsible for our problems, and they're not just there to point them out. And it says, And the wolf snatches the sheep, and scatters them. This is why we have to be mindful of those we put in leadership in the house of God. Verse 13. He flees, why? Because he is a hired what? Hand. A hired hand for a hired hand, it's all about the paycheck and and, and, and not the flock. It's all about the money they make or, and what's in it for them. And you have to guard against that again in the house of God. And he cares nothing. Did it say nothing? For the who? Who's speaking here? Might you want to listen? So we have to be mindful of those we, we, we recognize and put in authority in the church. Because, again, the hireling cares nothing for the sheep. So we see here that Abraham was wise uh, not to hire mercenaries. But the Bible says he, he gathered 318 trained men from his own what? House. So typically, the answers in the house, if it is the house of God. <laughs> Abraham wanted to make sure that while he was in the foxhole, he had men and women that were men and women that were fully uh, vested in the outcome of the battle. It's very difficult to win spiritual battles when you're dealing with with, with uncommitted people and they're not willing to really hold the line. So Abraham did this. He he got his, his men from the house. They were committed and, and he defeated these four uh, armies. Genesis 14 and verse 6. So he, Abraham, brought back all the goods and he also brought back his brother, who was really his nephew, Lot, and his goods, as well as the women and the people. Abraham won the battle, but only took back from the kings what the kings had taken from him. See, Abraham was not only guarding against the mercenary spirit uh, within his camp, he was guarding against it in his own life. And, and it's very, very important. He 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 committed in his heart that I would not get rich from war. And this was the war is a brutal and an ugly thing. And, and he understood exactly what war was. And he refused to get rich from anything except the hand of God. And I'm gonna, in a moment, we're gonna look at this a little bit closer, but whatever you compromise to get, you will eventually have to compromise to keep. Amen. Abraham understood this and he refused to compromise his principles for money. Verse 22 Abraham said to the king of Sodom, He said, I have raised my hand to the Lord, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, to of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will take anything, I'm sorry, not from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is not yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham what? Rich. Abraham did not want anyone to say that he was made rich through exploitation. He, he, now, he, he obviously didn't reject wealth and riches. There was a blessing on his life that caused him to become wealthy, but he refused to exploit for the purpose of gain. In fact, let's flesh this out. Genesis 13 and 2, just one chapter earlier, the Bible says this about Abram. It says, Abram was very rich in livestock. Now, this is how you uh, counted wealth in the ancient days. They didn't have money the same way we, well, it wasn't as pervasive as it is today. Uh, He was rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So Abraham did not reject the blessing of wealth. And and God does give us the ability, Deuteronomy says, to produce uh, wealth. But he did understand how he got it mattered. Again, what you compromise to gain, you will eventually have to compromise to keep. So he understood that, you know, how I receive this wealth from God matters. How you receive your wealth from God matters. Genesis 15 and 1. God said to him, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I will protect you from all the repercussions that will come from your your being obedient to me i, I didn't ju- i 'm not just sending you I am sending you and i will I will protect you as you go. Then he goes on and says i 'm also your exceedingly great reward. is that what it says now exceedingly is a comparative term meaning if you're going 50 miles an hour, for me to exceed you, I have to go at least 51. Does that make sense? There has to be some other standard in order to bypass it. So he did not just say, I am your great reward. That's not what he said. He said, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now, what this meant is that whatever Abraham chose to leave behind in his life, God promised to exceed it with a reward. Very important to understand this about God. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character has not changed over the generations. God will not be outdone. God will not let a human being do more for him than he does for them. That's just not God's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, I am your exceedingly great what? Reward Abraham, you left a land for me, I will give a new land to you. Abraham, you left family for me, I will bring new family. Everything Abraham left for God, God, you know, actually in the New Testament, Jesus expounds upon it. He said, whoever leaves it, leaves houses and lands uh, for, for my name's sake, I will give a hundredfold in this age and the age to come. We cannot outdo God when it comes to giving. Do you understand what I'm saying here? He says, you are or I will be your great or your exceedingly great reward. And the point I wanted to make to you this morning is the things that we are willing to leave behind are directly correlated to the things that God has left ahead of us. So never weep over what you left behind. Because whoever and whatever you leave behind. God has a hundredfold in your future. He will exceed your sacrifice because he. Did you really understand? What, he will always exceed your sacrifice because he is God. He is our exceedingly great reward. But after Abram said this, I'm sorry, God said this to Abraham, Abraham's wheel started turning. He said, I heard you, God, and that was good preaching, and uh, I'm excited about that, but... Uh, uh, Let's get real here. He said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Father, everything you've given me is really nothing to me unless you give me the thing you promised. Actually, in this statement, you hear a complaint. But there's nothing wrong with complaining as long as you're bringing your complaint to God. He has wide shoulders. He knows how to handle it. He knows exactly how to answer your issue. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? Abram had everything. He had a beautiful wife. He was wealthy. He was successful in business. His reputation began to precede him. He's just defeated kings. He's moved into a, a new uh uh, class, uh, or if you will, you know, his, his name is mentioned next to actually kings in the land because he's overcoming them. So he had everything a man could want except the thing he really wanted. How I many of uh, y'all, you know, you have everything except the real thing. I mean, you can buy this, you can go there, and, but, but the thing you really want, really, really want is the thing God has not yet brought into fruition in your life. This was the case with Abram. And he goes on, he says, And God, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, Eliezer was a loyal servant, uh, also a friend of Abraham. And and Abraham was willing to give Eliezer the inheritance. But, but, But that was still not what God had promised. It wasn't what God said. And Abram's taking issue with that. Then Abram gets even plainer. He said, look, Lord, you have not given me any offspring. Indeed, the people born in my house, or or, or, uh, 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 this gentleman, Eliezer, he will be my heir. And what he's saying is, Lord, because you, you have not come through in my life, I have to go to plan B. Anybody dealing with plan B right now? You see, what happened with Abraham was Abraham did not lose his original vision. He just let it shrink. And that's what happens with us. God gives us a vision, but over time, life happens, stuff happens, and, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen the way we thought it would happen. And we allow the vision to shrink, and, and that's what was happening with, with Abraham. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Now he was speaking to God. He brought his complaint to God, but then God speaks back to him. So if you bring your complaint, stop, you know, stop Stop stabbing God in the back, talking to everybody else about God. Go directly to the source. Go to God with your complaint. And if you finally man up and be brave enough to to, to stand up to God and tell him what you're really thinking, God will respond just like he responded to Abraham. It said, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your what? Heir. Abram, there will be no plan B. Abram, I got this thing. I knew what you would go through before I said the thing that I promised you, and I will be faithful. But the one who will come from your own body, he shall be what? Your heir. You know, I know sometimes God seems late. The the reality is often things don't go quite as we plan. And it's amazing when God tells us he's going to do something, we put dates on it. We we explain how he's going to do it, and then we end up with broken hearts because we added to that what God said. And, and here, you know, we're going to see this a little bit when we get closer to the end. You're going to understand what I'm saying. But, you know, when Abraham was 75, he's okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can still have children. But, you know, as the clock kept ticking, it became more and more impossible. And then he started creating, you know, stuff in his head. Uh, you know, uh, maybe if I do it this way. We we just talked about plan B, but actually, most, I'm sorry, Abraham came up with a plan C. Plan B was Eleazar. But we go to the next chapter plan c was him going into to sarah's handmaiden and he had a baby with her and, and you know he started trying to fix this thing and tried to make things happen and you got to be careful if god said it god can do it you don't have to add to it you don't have to help him you remember when uh, uh the ark of the covenant looked like it was falling over and one of david's men tried to help and god struck him dead It seemed like God was being mean, but you had to remember, God is God. He don't need our help. You know, every now and then I tell the testimony about, you know, what happened in our other church and how my wife and I, we lent six figures to the congregation, et cetera, to to keep it going. But, you know, that was part of the church's problem. It didn't need my help. Either God was going to do it or he wasn't. And when I stopped helping, somehow God showed up. Either God said it or he didn't. Well, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, no, the one who will come from your own body, you didn't miss me the first time, shall be your heir. Abram, I know you're getting old, but I'm still God. You you need to understand something about God, that nothing catches God by surprise. When he recorded scripture, he thought of every single need. He saw all of our faces all at one time. He saw all of our circumstances, all of our needs. And when he made the statement, he took every single situation into account and recognized, I'm going to say this knowing that if I said I can meet your needs according to your riches and glory, God looked to 2000, what are we, 14. He saw you and your situation and considered it before he said it. If God breaks his word just one time, he's not God. Everything has already been considered. So when God speaks, you don't have to figure it out. He's figured it out. All you really need is to get insight into what his plan is and go with the flow. How many times I tried to fix God? How many times have I tried to help God? And ultimately, all I did was really get in his way and create more of a mess that he had to clean up when I was done. Verse five is important because I don't know if this impacts you today, but it did me this week. He said, then he brought him outside. Abraham got stuck under a roof of his own making. Very important. A ceiling of his own construction. And sometimes, in my thinking, sometimes in your thinking, we put, un- we, we manufacture. Ceilings and roofs and tops and God you can't Lord it's too late and I don't have the resource and we manufacture lids over our lives and we find ourselves trapped under the weight of them but we don't realize it's all manufactured because in our limited understanding we can't figure out how he could do it but if God said it God has already figured out how he's going to do it So at some point, I have a very simple choice. Am I going to trust my imagination, my ability to figure it out, or am I going to trust God? And faith at some point gets that simple. Then he brought him outside. And this week, I felt the Lord saying, boy, come out. I need you to come out of your tent. I need you to come out of your shell. I need you to come out of your self imposed roof to, to, that, that in your mind is determined what you can still do and, and what's still possible. For. I need you to get out, come out, son, come out. And I believe that's a word for come out. He was in his tent. Knows better when tents were dark. And it gets dark when you get stuck in your own mind. And, and, and Abraham was just pondering, you know what? Oh, I can't figure, what are we going to do? And he was all day, all night trying to figure it out. But God said, no, come outside. Then he brought him where? Outside. Often God has to take me to a new environment to show me where he wants me to go next. Because we get stuck with who we know and the limited experience of the people around us. But there's a whole world out there with experiences we have not yet heard of.
2: You are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yermutu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have, but until next time, remember you have what it takes in Christ to live big.
1: Have you ever noticed that sometimes even after a full night's sleep, you still wake up tired? Well, that's because while you may have slept, you probably didn't rest. Most people think the two are synonymous, but they are not. We need both. But sleeping is more a physical state, whereas resting is as spiritual as it is physical. It involves your whole being. The word rest can be summarized as R, releasing E, everything S, solely T to God. So rest is releasing everything solely to God. So when God says come to me all All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not speaking of getting some shut eye, but intensely entering into a period of total release. I know letting go is not always easy, but when we do, our minds, our bodies, and our souls can be rejuvenated despite the chaos around us. After you've done everything you know to do, give it to God and let it go. Now, letting go is not easy, but not letting go might kill you. Make the choice.